And we talked about how in the name of Jesus is not just a formula for us to parrot. Like, a, you know, I can, if I bought one of those big parrots, one of those whatever, and stuck it in my house, I could teach it how to say in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so it's not just a, it's not just a phrase that you use um, and expect that you're going to get whatever you want when you use it in the name of Jesus means by his authority by his by his power because I am identified with him and that's why we pray in the name of Jesus not just a phrase that we use at the end of a prayer just because that's what we're supposed to do or you know God said if I ask anything Jesus said if you ask anything in my name therefore I can ask for a Rolls Royce and as long as I say in the name of Jesus I'm going to get a Rolls Royce what we're talking about when we say in the name of Jesus we're talking about in his authority we're talking about by his person because he died on the cross paid for my sin because he made me righteous with God I can come to the Father boldly by the throne of grace knowing that I can ask what I will knowing that my supplications are heard because of him because of what he did not because I'm so good and that is going to be demonstrated for us today in the sons of Sceva I don't know why mama would name her kid Sceva but that's his name I always say it that way too so you'll have to forgive me Sceva I don't know why it just sounds better Sceva so that's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see. What, uh, what is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? The baptism of the Holy Ghost is when the Holy Ghost, you are immersed in Christ. You are immersed in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes inside of you. It's uh, It happens when you are saved. Well, well, then he asked, uh, have you... Uh been baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's right. So that, not even so much as heard of That's right. They were they were not Christians. Yeah. That was that was last week's lesson. Okay. Well, I wasn't here. So. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, get Tammy to let you listen to the recording. We talked through that. She won't let me. She won't let you do it. Come on, Tammy. I wasn't in the group then. Ta- well, you're in the group now. You have access. You have access now. Yeah. And so we discussed all that about how the reason why the Holy Ghost tarried until they put his hands on them. So we, we talked about the all Ghost about it. When, we accept when you accept, when you are saved, born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. The reason why it tarried with them, they, first of all, they weren't saved, but just a quick explanation before we move on is because the, the Holy Ghost tarried on it four different times, and that was because salvation was moving to a new people group in fulfillment of Jesus' words, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, utter ends of the world, utter ends of the earth. And this was the final step. See what I mean? So... That's in uh, the we I recorded it and I put it on the website so let him let, let him listen to it. <clears throat> so what what we're going to see today is that the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus is not just a formula. You can't just run around saying in the name of Jesus because that's what these sons of Sceva tried to do and they found out that it was a very bad idea to do so. Uh, let's start in um, I guess we'll start in verse eight. That's where we ended. Verse 7 of last week's where we ended. It says, And when he went into the synagogue, who was he? Paul. He went to the synagogue. He spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened, when different people were hardened, and believed not, and spoke evil of the way. What's the way? Christianity was called the way in the early church. That's right. Before the multitude, they were speaking evil publicly. 
What did he do? He departed from them, separated the disciples that he had already made, or disciples that were already living there in the city. What city is it in, by the way? No, he's in Ephesus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Before the multitude, he departed from them, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of Tyrannus. Now, basically, the overview of what we're going to see today is that the gospel itself is the power of God. And what we must do as witnesses of the gospel, which is what the early church was, what we are called to be witnesses, we are to trust that the gospel is the power. We are to be perseverant in the gospel, even when we don't see fruit, when all the world and all of hell comes to attack us. We are to persevere. Uh, We are to make sure that we uh, trust that God accepts the pure gospel. He accepts the true gospel, no matter what goes on. And then finally, that the gospel itself is going to produce fruit. Eventually, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to do what God has set it out to do. Those are the three things that we're going to see. The first thing we see is that Paul persevered even when he persevered in preaching the gospel, even when it looked like the gospel was hit a roadblock. See, he's preaching in the synagogue, and it's interesting, if you remember, we talked about when Paul came to Ephesus. He'd been to Ephesus before. You remember what happened? He, he only stayed for a short time. Nobody remembers. That's right. That's right. He stopped in Ephesus on his way back to Antioch. We saw that. And he taught a little bit in the synagogue. Uh, They wanted him to stay and preach more. But he said, if it's God's will, I'm going to be back. And then, of course, now we know it's God's will. He came back starting in Acts chapter 19. And Acts 19 and 20 are going to be his exploits in Ephesus. But... um, After they said, you know, we want you to come back. We want to hear more of this. When he came back, what happened? Okay, we don't like what you're saying. (laughs) They They were hardened against him. They were speaking blasphemies against him. They were speaking evil of Christianity, of the way that he was preaching. Uh, He was preaching the way is what the early church and the people uh, in the first century called Christianity was the way. And uh, he was basically run out. He, He preached three months in the synagogue, basically run out of the synagogue. If it was me, I would say, okay, I'm taking my ball and going home. But what did Paul do? He picked up shop and he moved into another place and kept on going. He preached, started preaching again in the school of, of Tyrannus. Now, we don't know who Tyrannus is. It might have been a school that he owned. He might have been a teacher in the school. But the point is that <clears throat> Paul persevered just in a different location. He says, okay, fine. It's basically the same thing that he did before. He dusted off his coat and he says, you know what, if y'all don't want to hear it, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over here. And he went and he, <clears throat> he continued to persevere. He continued to preach. It says he continued there for two years. Verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years. So he wasn't just popping in, preaching the gospel. And then, you know, going somewhere else and preaching the gospel. He tarried for three months in this synagogue, preaching and teaching until they finally said, you know, we've had enough. And they started publicly speaking evil of him and of, of the way. And rather than <clears throat> rather than picking up shop and going home, he, he just moved shop to another location and continued to preach there for two years. Continued to continue to minister, continued to do his thing uh, in, in the school of Tyrannus which we don't know who that is. 
But look what the fruit of it was. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. What Asia is he talking about? Is he talking about China and Japan? Asia Minor. Asia Minor. The province of Asia in Rome was Turkey. Is modern day Turkey. <clears throat> and so all of those in Asia heard the word. He continued to preach. <clears throat> excuse me. In this school, uh, wherever it was, whatever it was, in such a way that over a two-year span of time, all the people in the province heard the word of the Lord, heard the gospel. He was, he was persistent. Now, the only way that I can, I, can, I mean, if you, you've seen this in Paul before. He's been persistent through beatings and stonings and, you know, letting down through a basket and running away from cities. And he's been persistent before. But here you've seen, we saw in the last couple of chapters that it seemed like Paul, especially in, in, uh, in Corinth, Paul was almost like he was getting down a little bit. And God had to come in a vision to him and tell him, hey, you don't be silent. You continue to speak. I have people in this city, you know, and nobody's going to harm you. And so even now, after it's all said and done, Paul continues to persevere, knowing that although these people over here have rejected what he said, they have blasphemed what he said, they have spoken evil of all the things about the way and what Paul is preaching, he moves to a new location and he starts over again. Uh, he perseveres knowing that it's the gospel that has to go forth. It's the gospel that's the power of God. When when this guy over here rejects it, I don't I don't uh, I don't clam up and say, well, maybe I just ain't doing it right. Maybe I ain't you know it just ain't I, I, maybe I don't know the right things to say. Maybe I it's not about that. God told us Christ told us specifically to be a witness. That's all that we do. He didn't, he didn't give us a systematic theology to present to people. He said, you are to be a witness. You are to be a witness. You are to be obedient. And that's, that's it. That's it. He didn't say you are to be successful uh, as we measure success. Successful to me would be, you know, every time I talk to somebody about Jesus, they drop to their knees and get saved right there. That would be success. But he didn't call us to be successful. He called us to be obedient. And he said, just like he told Paul in that vision in Corinth, he said, I have many people here. It's God ultimately that changes hearts. You can't talk them into it. You can't convince them. You can't do it with arguments. I've told you all that many times before. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that has to change people's heart. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't change somebody's heart as you are preaching the gospel, you won't be able to convince them. You won't be able to talk them into it. You won't be able to. You won't be able to. I mean, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. If I can talk you into it, somebody else can, smarter than me can come along and talk you right out of it. And so it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Paul knew that, and that's why he, he persevered through all these things. And God blessed his efforts. We see that there was power. There was power in what he was, what he was doing. <clears throat> this next section is the sons of Sceva. Uh, is the sons of Sceva, and it is... Uh, it's very interesting. Very interesting. It says, verse 11 says, God wrought special miracles by the hand of, hands of Paul. This was a special miracle. It's, it's an extraordinary miracle. Even in, the, even in the realm of what a miracle is, a miracle is an extraordinary, unnatural event. You know, something that happens that's 
you know, out of out, breaks the laws of nature, a miracle. Uh, but even here, <clears throat> when we've seen miracles before, you know, we've seen dead raised here in the scripture. We've seen sick healed. We've seen here was some special miracles, extraordinary miracles. God was using Paul. God was doing the miracle. See it? Paul wasn't doing the miracle. It was God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out from them. Uh, so it was, this is what I'm thinking. Paul, uh, when he was teaching, they taught for hours, hours on end. And during the, during the heat of the day, no air conditioning, no, you know, no freezing. You wouldn't have no blankets when Paul was preaching, Jennifer. Uh, it would have been, it would have been one of those deals. You know, he wore, he would probably wear an apron, a, you know, a, maybe a thing, scarf around his head for sweat or whatever. And the things that, the things, basically what I'm saying is, he, God wrought special miracles among him so that even the articles of clothing that he wore, the things that were touching him, the things that touched his body were brought and, and to sick people and they were healed, diseased people, the diseases left them, and evil spirits and the spirits left them. So God was using Paul in extraordinary ways in Ephesus, uh, maybe because, and this is just me talking out loud, but maybe because Ephesus was such a... Uh, a cultic town, you know. There were there were spiritual this and spiritual that all over the place. We're going to see that in the next section where they they worship in the god Artemis and and all kind of things going on. God was using Paul in these kind of power encounters to show the uh, the power of the true God as opposed to uh, false God. Why is that important? It's important because you're going to see in the next section that. There were some guys that seen the power that came from Paul and his preaching or God working through Paul. And they tried to copy his, that power. They tried to parrot. They tried to parrot that power by using the same phrases that Paul used. They tried to they tried to use quote unquote in Jesus' name as just a little phrase that was going to give them the power that Paul had as he used in Jesus' name. And we're going to see that we're going to see that it, it doesn't work that way. Just using it as a formula does not release power or magical incantation or anything like that. It's being united with Christ in salvation is what does it. Does that make sense? Do I have any questions? Do you think... Here's a, here's a controversial question. you think Paul condoned the bringing of his clothes to other people to be healed? You yes. think you think he condoned it, commanded it? Well, because the, the the woman with issue touched Jesus' clothes. She his, did. His virtue left out. It did absolutely, so, and she was healed. But he wasn't setting up shop out in the middle of the street and selling them for yeah. Yeah. He definitely wasn't doing what the TV guys do, like pay $20 and we'll send you the prayer rug, you know, that guy. Definitely wasn't that, so I can say that. But that's a question that I don't know the answer to. So 
that's as good an answer as, as I could give you. He, it doesn't say that he said, here, take this handkerchief, but it doesn't say, I mean, surely they weren't stealing them. You know, I mean, I, we, we don't know. It just doesn't say. It says, it says God was working special miracles through him so that even the articles of his clothing, even the handkerchief, the apron would be taken to sick people and they'd be healed and evil spirits would be, would, would have to leave. I mean, now think about this. This is going to be important here in just a second when we talk about this. The handkerchief of Paul's head as he was preaching probably caught the sweat or whatever. When when they you laid the handkerchief upon the evil spirit guy, the evil spirit has to leave and left. Now that's that's power, right? And so these what it says here is there were some Jewish guys, some Jewish exorcists who saw this go on. Wow, look at this. I mean, this guy just lays a handkerchief over here on him and all the demons have to go. You know, all the things have to flee. Why don't we use that power? And, you know, they, maybe they were making money at it. Maybe they were re- promoting religion. Maybe they, you know, we're not told exactly what their motivation was. But we know it wasn't godly. It wasn't, wasn't Christly. It says... Then certain of the vagabond Jews, vagabond means itinerant. It means they were wandering, going back and forth. They weren't like setting up shop in a temple, in a synagogue. They were traveling, traveling Jewish exorcists. Uh, they, certain of the, they were like the, the, the TV guys. You know, they'd come to your town. Hey, you know, come to our tent. We're going to make all the demons disappear. You know, that kind of stuff. The certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, they took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus. What that means is they were using the name of the Lord Jesus to cast out demons. Or they were using the phrase in the name of Jesus saying, this is what they were saying. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Just to make sure that they had the right Jesus. <laughs> they were saying, we're, you know, because lots of folks were named Jesus. It was a very common name in, during this time. And so is that we're, we command you, look, they're the spirits. We're commanding you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Making sure that they had the right Jesus. They were using the phrase in Jesus' name uh, as a as a as a catchphrase, as a power phrase, as a as a, what's my what am I looking for? What word am I looking for? They were using it as a distortion is using it for money. Well, yeah, they were using it for money, but they were just using the phrase. They didn't really believe in Jesus. Magic words. Yeah, they were using it like magic words. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't trust in Christ. They weren't sent by God to be a witness. They weren't They weren't anything. They were probably making money on it. They were probably, whatever their reason was, they were just using the phrase in the name of Jesus. And so we see that they weren't they weren't associated with Jesus. They weren't united with Jesus. They weren't coming in Christ's authority as people of Christ. They were just using the name. They were just using the, the phrase in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> and it says, And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and a chief of the priests, which did so. Seven sons of this guy named Sceva, who was a chief priest in the city of Ephesus, they were casting out demons trying to use the name of Jesus. We adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. They were trying to do this. And they evidently ran up on the wrong evil spirit. Because they had no power. It says, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. And Paul I know. He says, but who are you? 
So basically, they mocked they mocked these seven sons. Now think about it. Seven dudes. We're talking about seven guys. So I could line up seven men out here, and they'd march into your house like they were the Magnificent Seven or whatever, finna cast out a demon and all this. And yeah, and they were they were. Uh, they were going to do this, and they all empower, and we, you know, we by the power of you know, who knows what they were saying. They were probably all confident by the by the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and the Spirit basically mocks them. He basically said, "I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is, but I don't know you. I don't know." And look what happened next: the man, the man, the singular man, the man in whom the evil spirit was. He leaped upon them, plural, the seven dudes, and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. Now, so not only did they walk in using Jesus' name, but the evil spirit that was in this one dude overcame seven guys. And I don't know why he stripped them naked, but hey, you know, it's whatever. And they ran out of the house, these these ghostbusters, they ran out of the house naked and wounded, shamed, probably, you know, definitely, uh, de- I mean, definitely ashamed. Can you imagine going in with all your power and all your might and all your conceit, getting seven dudes whooped up by one guy, stripped naked, and then run out into the street in public naked? Totally exploded. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it says, This was known to all the Jews and the Greeks and dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on. I bet it did. Now, think about this for a minute. Here's, what I, here's, here's I think, the main point that he wants you to see. Seven guys saying, In the name of Jesus, were not as powerful as a rag that was wrapped around Paul's head. You understand what, you understand what he's saying? A handkerchief that Paul had was more powerful and could be laid upon a person and the demon would flee than these seven guys who were parroting the phrase in the name of Jesus. You see how in the name of Jesus is not just a phrase to be used. It's not just a it's not just a moniker that we stick at the end of the prayer. It's not just something that we that we say. The power comes from being united and coming in the authority of Jesus, coming in the in the power of Christ, coming in the name of Jesus. I I come in someone's name. I bear their authority. You know, if I'm a ambassador or whatever, I come in the name of this king. I bear that king's authority. I I am sent from him and I have the authority that he gives and that is the power that that we see here. So can you lose that authority? Can you lose it? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. The authority. Can the, the authority be taken from you? Well, it depends on what you mean. The authority to be a witness? The authority, I mean, let's say let's say an individual is is born again <coughs> and they for whatever reasons, practice being un, un, uh, not obedient. Can that authority to, to be taken away from? The authority to cast out demons? I mean, or the authority, authority to, to, to come in his name, to be an ambassador for him. I mean, you're no longer... A, a you, can, you can mess up your testimony. Yeah, if that's yeah, what you yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you can. Uh, the authority... 
If you are truly born again, you cannot be unborn again. Right, that's not what I'm saying. Right. But you can lose something from being disobedient. Well, you can lose you can lose your testimony. That that that's true. Um, but that's your authority, right? Well, I mean, yes, yes and no. Because the authority that Paul came in here, when we talk about authority in this text, we're talking about we're talking about the power that comes with being a, being associated with Christ. I have authority over uh, spirits and, and, and that kind of thing, and I'm I'm not gonna have no demon casting out class if that's you know. So, but what I'm saying is, there are spirits in the world that you know, uh, whatever you know, they want to whisper in your ear, they want to lie to you, they want to whatever, send you down the wrong path, whatever. You have, being born again makes you have authority over all of that. Makes you, makes you, I want to say protected in the sense that nothing comes to you that does not, that, yeah, that's true, a way of escape, but you're all, nothing comes to you that does not pass through the hands of God first. That makes sense? So what I mean is, and, and this is, this is another hard truth, but even tragedy, even the, the God doesn't tempt, nor is he uh, ever tempted, but he will allow, you know, like he allowed Satan to take Job and tempt him and to do all those things. He will allow you to grow through that. He will allow things to go on. He will allow things to happen in your life. So when you sin, you, uh, you are basically breaking fellowship with you're basically breaking fellowship with God, and uh, that's probably not the best way to put it. Uh, but when you sin, you are being disobedient, and God will come. If you're born again, He will come and discipline you in some way, shape, or form. Does that make sense? Now, if you're talking about authority to authority to preach the gospel, authority to be a witness, I don't think that that's ever... I think that that's... That authority's never taken from you. Now, Beth may not listen to me if I cuss Beth out. You know what I mean? She, from that day on, I may not be able to be a witness to her, but I can still be a witness in in my you know in my life. Does that make sense? You know, there may be you know there's some people right now that won't listen to the word I say, you know, for whatever reason. But there's people that that will. So you have a same way with Paul. Paul couldn't be a witness to those Jews that cast him out of the synagogue. So what did he do? He moved, he set up shop, went to a new place. Jesus told his disciples, you know, when you enter the house, you know, the, there's a man of peace there. You let your peace rest upon him. If not, shake your feet off and you go, go down the road. Now that's not, that surely please don't take that as a license to go cuss Mary Sue out and say, well, I'm going to go be a witness on the other side of town since I done cuss Mary Sue out or whatever. But you understand what, you understand? Does that answer your question? Yeah, pretty much so. And so... So are these seven people kind of like the TV angelicals that they're talking about? I think so. I mean, I can't prove that, but I think so. I mean, yeah. I'm that, not saying that they're all bad, but I mean, you're asking people for money to get something like that. I'm not saying that they ain't right, because I ain't nobody's judge or jury, but you know. <laughs> well, they they definitely didn't know Christ. These These seven guys, they definitely didn't know Christ. And they were using Christ's name, whether it was to gain money or reputation or whatever. They were they were using Christ's name, and they did not know Christ. So uh, I can tell I can say for sure their motives weren't right. Although I look at that as that that those that have been born again, 
the evil spirits knew because they they want to be aware of what they're doing. They're concerned about those people. They intervene. You know, they're the enemy, so to speak. They were losing their kingdom to them. Right. But if they didn't know, or if that person wasn't born again, they didn't know who they were because they didn't they didn't really care because they weren't doing nothing. Against yeah. Well, and I don't even know if they actually didn't have knowledge, like to say, well, I don't know who you are. I think they were saying, I don't know you, to mock them and to, uh, and to make fun of them and to say, I don't have to do what you say, and I don't care who you are. And as soon as they said, we don't know you, the guy jumps up and beats the heck out of them and strips them all naked and sends them out into the street. Uh, they, they, were, they were mocking them. They were not under any authority that they had. They had no power to, to command the spirit to do anything or to whatever. And that was demonstrated. Even though they said in the name of Jesus, they didn't know Jesus. And so they had no authority, no power, no nothing. They were at the whim of the spirit. Oh yeah. Right, right, and they trampled all over them. They trampled all over them. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. And it blows my mind to think. I, I think Luke is putting the two together here these two things together for a reason i mean he is it's not one guy beat up seven shows you how powerful the guy is but think about this i wish i had a piece of cloth a piece of cloth in jesus's name is more powerful than these seven guys because it says that the piece of cloth that Paul had on him or touched or touched his skin, when it laid it on the whatever, the spirit had to leave. I, did, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know what they said, but it doesn't say that they said anything or did anything. They laid a handkerchief on the sick and they were healed, laid a handkerchief on the demon possessed and they demons fled. And here is seven guys probably doing all their, you know, Whatever, whatever they did, I don't know what they did, but they said in the name of Jesus, using that as a, you know, because Paul was doing it down the road, we can do it too, and they were not as powerful as a piece of a rag, piece of cloth, because of because of who Jesus is and because of the power that He wields. Uh, I think Luke puts these together on purpose to show us that. It's not just a formula in the name of Jesus because uh, a rag is more powerful than seven guys saying in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. Which just goes to show that without Christ, evil is powerful and it can overcome. But with Christ, through Christ, anything can over. I mean, anything can be used to overcome. Yeah. In a piece of cloth. Yeah. You are, if you are in Christ... You are an overcomer. You have that was part of the sermon that I preached this morning. If we we're t- we talked about the false prophets and the spirits behind the false prophets, and it says you have overcome them because greater is He that's in you, this He that's in the world. I mean, you have already overcome them. So the focus is not on the power of this spirit or that spirit to 
trample me or to mess me up. The focus is on God's power to protect. Nothing comes into my life that God does not that God does not allow. And that's how everything works together for good for those who love God, those who are called in accordance to purpose. That's a hard thing to it's hard to thing to realize when things start happening that you don't like. You know what I mean? Because you know you like you know I remember one of my favorite stories. Is it time to go yet? No. One of my favorite stories is we went to this gospel singing one time we were playing. And you know how all the gospel singers, I don't know why they they all cry and they all tell us about how hard it is to be a gospel singer. I'm thinking you ain't come stay in this car for eight hours. Then you can tell me how hard it is to be a gospel singer. But anyway, you had one on the right side of the stage saying, this afternoon the devil really came and he really you know, got me and real whatever. And then you had one a little bit later on the other side of the stage said, well, this afternoon the devil came to my house and he was just, you know, oppressing me. And, what? and I'm thinking, wait a minute. The devil can't be at both of y'all house at the same time. <laughs> he ain't God. He ain't omnipresent. You know, he can't come to your house and at the same time be at your house. And the point is that everybody takes, you know, the devil gave me a flat tire. The devil doesn't cause me to get sick. The devil, the devil ain't got the power to cause you to get sick if God doesn't allow him to cause you to get sick. He don't have the power to flatten your tire. He don't have the power to rattle pots in your kitchen. He don't have the power to do nothing to you as a believer in Christ that you don't open the door and let him in to do. He doesn't have the power to do any of that. What he will do and what he can do is what he's been doing from the very beginning. He'll sit on your little shoulder and he'll say, did God really say that? Did God really tell you? That? Yeah, it's not going to hurt. Go ahead. It's going. He's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to tempt you. He's going to try you. He's going to come and he can't read your thoughts. He can't make you do things you don't want to do. You know, I don't care what exorcist movie you done seen. He, he's going to tempt you and he's going to lie to you. That's what he does. That's what he does. But those of us who've been born again have overcome, already overcome. We have overcome him. That doesn't mean that we won't ever sin. Doesn't mean we won't ever listen to him and walk off in the wrong direction. And God have to come and discipline us and bring us back. But we have overcome him. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Make sense? Okay. I'm in the group. I got special discernment things now. Now you you got all access. You all access pass now that you're in the group. We should have put you in the group before now. Okay, so this was found out. This these seven Jewish guys running around the street butt naked. It says this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus <clears throat> was magnified and look what happened <clears throat> and many <clears throat> man <clears throat> many that believe believed came and confessed and showed their deeds they they brought their sinfulness uh to, to the light. It'll explain it here in 19. It says, Many of them also which used curious arts, that's magic, occultic things, you know, uh, all the stuff that was involved. That's why at the beginning I told you Ephesus was a really occult town. There were a lot, th a lot of things going on. 
Many of them, which also use these occultic, magic, curious arts, brought their books together, these spell books and magic books and all these, and they burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them, and they found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Lots of money in the ancient world. Lots of money. So look what happened. The power of Christ, the gospel of Christ, because Paul has gone and preached the gospel two years in this school. Everyone in Asia heard it. Some people believed, some people weren't believing, whatever. Then these guys, thinking they could pair it in the name of Jesus and use it for their own benefit, came and get defeated by this spirit. And Paul had a handkerchief that was able to defeat these spirits. People realized that Jesus was the true God. They believed. And look at what the gospel produced in them. It produced repentance. They brought all their magic stuff and said, we're not going to do this anymore. It produced faith first because as many that believed came. And they confessed. They confessed of all their deeds, of all their sins, of all the things that they had done. And they repented in such a way that they didn't just say, Hey, we're not going to do it anymore. They brought all the stuff out publicly and burned it in front of everybody so that they know that we have left this life behind and we're starting we're starting new with Christ and we're going to follow him. Kind of like what Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Yeah. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Better to go into heaven with two eyes. They, You know, in a sense. <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. Because these were the things that were offensive. God. Right. And they plucked them out instead of just leaving them sit. Yeah. Yeah. And not the thing uh, about is, is that was not taught to them. What? That wasn't taught. They just they did it. They they knew that that's what needed to be done. Right. You know, it wasn't like someone sat down and said, "Okay, now go get all your crap and let's burn it." You know, they they no longer it was no longer important to them. Yeah. They repented publicly. Yeah. And. Uh, irreversibly. Right. It's not like they can put it on the shelf and go check it again later. It's burnt. It's gone. Exactly. Well, if that's the case, I'd be blind with prosthetics. <laughs> I mean, are we required to do that? What? Confess before everybody like that. What, burn your stuff? I mean, I'm talking about confess your sins. He says confess one to another. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're supposed to tell everybody what our... Well, are you supposed to be accountable to your brethren. We are supposed to be in community with each other. Just shoot me. Huh? Just shoot me. Just shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are... We're that's, also not supposed to be judgmental. Of that'd be difficult. That's right. Because that's your right. sin is no greater than mine, and mine's no greater that's than right. That's right. That's right. And being accountable being accountable to a, a brother is uh, it's difficult. And it's supposed to be difficult. And it's one of the... Uh, it's one of the safeguards that God uses to keep us... Uh, walking on the path of holiness because well, doesn't, it, doesn't it cause that other individual to judge you? Well, if it, if it, it judge me, huh? Not if you hold it them to to no. accountability and love. That's right. I know my own heart. Be that way. Huh? Mm. What was she said that? not if the other person oh. comes to you in humility and love. Yeah. Honestly, wants to. And if we're if we're true believers, we're, if we're true believers, then you know your own heart. And I know my own heart. So, I mean, 99% of the time, if you, we're talking about, if we're, when we say judging, we're not saying distinguishing between sin and not sin. What we're saying is condemning somebody right. because they've sinned. If, if that's you, then I, 
I would, I would say that you probably don't know your own heart. Because uh, the human heart, my heart, is capable of some pretty hard things. If it, were, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. If, if you are of the notion, well, I would never do that, uh, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, Philippians, Philippians 2, to answer Ken's question, Philippians 2 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So, you know, when you I have been one now, I've confessed I'm I have no problem confessing because I know my heart and it's easier for me to be held accountable by my brethren when I put